So it was a beautiful day in northeast Galilee. The temperature was perfect. It was misting a little bit. And Rebecca and I were descending down through the hills. Scripture refers to them often as the mountains around northeast Galilee. To the tell, the ruins of the old city Gamla. Show you a picture. It reminded me of what I picture Ireland looking like. I've never been to Ireland, so those of you who have, you can come correct me afterwards. Gamla is one of the cities in Galilee. You can kind of see it up here in the corner. That's the Sea of Galilee sitting up there. Gamla is a unique ruin because in Galilee, there is, I'm not Galilee, in Gamla, there is a synagogue they have dug up who has not been adjusted. Now, when I say that the synagogue's not been adjusted, Gamla fell in the year 66 AD, was destroyed by the Romans, and at that point in time, the synagogues were just all situated however fit the city best. But after the temple fell in 70 AD, the synagogues that were rebuilt were adjusted to face Jerusalem. They still are, actually. If you go to a synagogue, they face Jerusalem, even here. Why does that matter? The Bible tells us that Jesus went throughout Galilee and he preached in their synagogues. This floor is the floor where the people would have been and Jesus would have been when he came to tell us the good news. The Bible says he actually showed up in the temple and he proclaimed the good news throughout Galilee. I say temple, synagogues. As we're sitting there watching the guy who was leading uh, the trip, he said, y'all know where those who taught would have stood? And they said, yes, because we had been in different synagogues. And about this place in the room, kind of towards the room, but about this place in the room, there were stones in all the synagogues we visited that were the Bema seat. It's where the teacher would have stood in the synagogue to teach. And this is the only synagogue that was not adjusted. So we know the stone here, you can kind of see it down low, where Jesus would have stood to teach in Galilee. That morning, uh, the reason I'm standing there, that morning they'd given us some reading and we had read what Jesus taught when he was in the synagogues in Galilee. All the Gospels tell us about it. The Gospel specific I had read that morning was Luke, where Jesus asked for the Isaiah scroll, and he opened it and he read on the Bema seat in all of their hearing, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to proclaim, anybody know? Good news. The word good news, euangelion, also translated in our Bibles, the gospel. 
He reads through that passage in Isaiah, he rolls it up, he hands it back to the attendant, and he sits down. The Bible tells us all eyes of those who were in the synagogue, they were watching fixed on him. And he told them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. What? This is God in the flesh, on earth, standing in front of man saying, I have good news. Now, I apologize, these are my feet. They're gross, they're ugly, I recognize. I, I wanted to take off my shoes and to get a picture of, this is the, the closest we know to place on earth that Jesus actually stood where you can stand. At the Bema seat in the synagogue in Gamla that was never adjusted. Jesus stood there. But what stood out to me when I was there was thinking that God sent his son in the flesh to stand here and to tell people good news. Good news. And I remember thinking, do I really know the good news that Jesus taught that day? Uh, maybe even more, like if this is before I was a pastor, I was working at a camp. It, is that the good news that I share with people when I tell them about Jesus? You know, there, there are a lot of different forms of the gospel out there. Y'all realize that, right? There's, there's the prosperity gospel, maybe you've heard, that hey, if, if you give to God, he'll give to you and... Uh, there's some teaching in the Bible around that. I, I would, the gospel is more than that. There's a deeper, there's a deeper level of a, of a satisfaction than m most of what I've heard there. Is it the social justice gospel that, that, that we just need to work hard to love people in need? Well, I mean, that's there actually in that passage in Isaiah to proclaim good news to the poor. Is, is, is it, or is it more than that? Uh, is, it, is it the religious ritual gospel? Like, hey, if, if you walk the aisle, if, if, if you get in the water, if you uh, take the, the elements, uh, you're, you're, is that, I mean, the Bible talks about doing those things. Is that the gospel? What did Jesus teach? What, what was the good news that God sent his son to stand here on earth to tell the world? Good thing we have this book, right? If you have a Bible, I invite you to open it. We are walking through the book of Mark, and we're starting, we actually kind of gave a sneak peek last week, this week, we're going we're gonna to not be able to cover every word. We're inviting you, and many in the church are, reading through the gospel of Mark with us. This is what you would have been reading as we started off our year last week, the first chapter in the book of Mark. And what's interesting as we read, it's very clear that Mark wants us to understand the gospel, the good news. And I, I want us to ask today the, the, the question as we hear Mark really just kick it off for us, what is the gospel? What is the euangelion? What is the good news that Jesus preached? And, and then 
Some, some of you in the room maybe have never heard it, and I want you to hear it. Some of you in the room, uh, I needed to have parts of my life adjusted as I was seeing again and hearing again the gospel. Before I read, Mark, early church writers, all attributed this book to the author Mark that we read about in the book of Acts. He never mentions his name here. But when I say early church, like people would, who would have been alive to know the guy, they all said Mark's the one who wrote this book. Who was Mark? Mark was one of the guys who traveled with the Apostle Paul on mission trips. But not only the Apostle Paul, he was really close to Peter, the disciple, and one of Jesus' closest friends. And Peter is going to be primary in this gospel for a good reason. We're going we're to see the, the apostle Peter show up often as we read. Um, he was Mark's one of his sources. Y'all with me? Okay. Stand up to honor God's word. Starting in verse 1. The beginning of the, what's the word? Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I'm going to skip, but I'll tell you what's there here in a few minutes, to verse 14 now. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel, the good news, euangelion of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Pray with me. If you're comfortable on your knees, if you're able, I'm going to invite you there. If not, you can just sit down. <sighs> Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask you, God, today to help me to share with this room, those that are online, any others that will listen, help me to share what Jesus shared when he was here. God, help the good news, the gospel of God, Luke, Mark, excuse me, we'll call it here in the passage. The gospel of God, God, through your spirit, help. And I, I recognize that I'm just a man, I'm, I'm not perfect. That, that I don't fully get my mind completely around this. So God, please help me today. And I, I would ask that you would pray for yourself this morning, that you would, maybe for the first time, if you're skeptical about God and even talking to God is weird, we're, we're just so glad you're here. Say, God, if you're there, Help me to hear what this good news is all about. And if you are a follower of Jesus, ask him to show you the gospel this morning in, a, in maybe an aspect of it that you haven't seen. 
So Holy Spirit, help. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The TV's back. I've had a lot ask, why is the TV gone? It was gone for a while on purpose. We don't know how long it'll be around. The point of the TV when it's up here is to point you to the text. That's why we bring it up here on occasion. And I want you to see what God's Word says about the good news, the gospel. All right, you with me? Verse 1. Luke writes, this is, I said this again. Wow, I'm struggling. I keep going back to this. This is not the book of Luke. This is the book of anybody? Mark, hello, thank you. If you need to correct me at any point today, feel free. The beginning of the, what? Gospel. There's our word. Oh, oh, I need to turn on my pen. Oh, it is on. Why don't I? Gospel, there we go. It worked. Ah. The beginning of the gospel. If you're with us, beginning of last year, we were starting through the book of Romans. And in the book of Romans, we had this time. We actually brought Chris up front. And he said, what was this word gospel? What, what did it mean to the original audience? Because the word existed. Euangelion was the word they would use. At that point in time, they didn't have newspapers, right? There, there was not the internet to get all the information. The way you'd hear information is when a herald showed up in town to tell you news. The euangelion was good news that was specific assigned for the news of there being a battle that had been won and a new king being in charge and this kingdom now applying to you and I, right? There's a battle that's been won. There's a new king, euangelion. We get to be part of the kingdom, that's what the word meant to them. Jesus used it to declare good news when he showed up. Interesting, if you study literary criticism, uh, if you, you want to look at the way words are written, Matthew, Mark, and Luke in our New Testament, there's a lot of overlap. And most people that study words say because Mark is going to write as we read through this book, Mark is going to write almost like a Sports Center highlight video. Like he, he's going to just give high points and it's going to be immediately this happened, immediately this happened, immediately, and it's like fast forward. And, and when he uses words, they're often blunt. But in Matthew and Luke, a lot of the same words are used. And so they say, hey, there was a, there was a source somewhere out there who was first. Well, they say the one with the shorter language, the more blunt interpretation that didn't fill in all the details was probably the first writer. So most believe that this is the first gospel written. And Mark is going to tell us, these are his words, not yet Jesus's, that the gospel is all about someone. The gospel of who? Jesus. Who is Jesus. Well, again, relating to our word that there's a new king and a new kingdom, a battle has been won. Jesus is Christ. Now, what, what does Christ mean? Follow me here. Christ is the Greek word for the Hebrew Messiah. They're the same word. Christ is not Jesus' last name unless, at a conversation after first hour, which I thought was fascinating, Many people got their last name based on who they were. Like the Smith was the Smith, the tailor was the tailor, the butcher was the butcher. Like you got a last name from that, right? That's who Jesus was. This is the, the, the Messiah, the one who was promised in the Old Testament, Jesus came to be the king in the line of David that was promised in the Old Testament. 
Jesus was the promised one that Isaiah talked about, the suffering servant who would die in our place to take away the sin of the world. Jesus was the Christ, he was the Messiah, but he wasn't just a person, he was what? The Son of God. So as we look at what Mark writes, he says this gospel is all about a king who's come, a battle who's been won. His name is Jesus. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. Some say you can divide the book of Mark into two parts that lead up to Peter, again, the source for Mark, his confession. When Jesus said, who do people say that I am? What does Peter say? You are the Christ. And then, not just the disciples, first half of the book, very, very focused on their response and also those around them in Galilee. The book climaxes at the cross of Christ. And one of the Roman guys in their army in charge of killing Jesus at the foot of the cross, he says, surely this man, what? Son of God, Son of God. Mark wants you to know who Jesus was. It's, it's part of the gospel. Now, he wants you to know so bad that it's all over the book. So what, what happens between verse 1 and verse 14, uh, he's going to show us that Malachi was talking about him, Isaiah was talking about him, the Bible was pointing to who he was. He's going to say John the Baptist was pointing to him, behold the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. We just saying that, that was John's words. He didn't record those because he's going fast forward. John pointed to him. He then, we see Jesus baptized, and at the baptism of Jesus, the Holy Spirit descends on him like the Holy Spirit's telling us who he is. God says, this is my beloved, what? Son in whom I am well pleased. They're telling us who this Jesus is. He goes into the wilderness, and he's not just tempted by maybe a demon. Satan shows up, even the adversary giving us proof to who Jesus is. And then the angels attend to him, and he tells those stories in crazy fast-forward motion, like Sports Center highlight video. And then he gets to Jesus, preaching the gospel. Watch what he says, verse 14. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming, another word for preaching or declaring the gospel. The gospel, notice the gospel of God. Jesus, fully God, fully man, declaring the good news of God. Now, I think if you ask most people here in the room today, what is the gospel? Most of you here in the room today, not wrong, but I want to show you there's, there's maybe more to it. Most people in the room here would say, well, Jesus died on the cross for your sin. Jesus is going to pro- proclaim the good news of the gospel. Has he died on the cross? No. He's not died on the cross yet. Not yet. I think it's alluded to, and I'll show you this here in a second. And saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. All right, if you're taking notes, trying to summarize all that we've seen so far, what is the gospel? There is a real king and a real kingdom, right? 
this kingdom that has a king and his name is Jesus. This Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, and the Son of God. Jesus, who he is, is part of the gospel. He's king, Messiah, Son of God. All right, y'all see it so far? Okay. And back to verse 15. And saying, the time is fulfilled. What time is fulfilled? Well, again, we've alluded to this some already. All of the Old Testament talked about this happening. Jesus is not just a figure. The whole story is about him. Some people think that this is a book about all kind of heroes. No, there's not heroes, plural. Everyone in this book was messed up apart from Jesus. The Old Testament points us to Jesus, and he says the time is fulfilled. Well, what, what's going to change now that Jesus is here? Well, the Bible says that God loves the world so much, and when Paul shares the gospel in his books, you can look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it's one of the places you can go to help us understand what is this being fulfilled right now. That the Bible said that this king, when he showed up, this, this king was going to be the perfect sacrifice. The blood that, that Justin just led us to sing about and talk about. He was going to become the perfect sacrifice. He'd live a life apart from sin. He would die on the cross for our sin in our place. And then he would rise again to take away the sin of the world. So yes, if you, if you go to this, this in your mind, that yes, there's a real king, and, and it, that what, what he did when he was here, Jesus, when he taught, was saying, hey, what the, the Old Testament was telling you about is about to happen. Now, they couldn't get past, they thought the king was supposed to look different for them. And they couldn't get the suffering servant thing, even though he was telling his followers over and over and over again, this means I've got to go and suffer and die because I'm this guy. But here's what he did in his love and by his grace. Jesus lived a perfect life, died in our place, and rose again. In his love and by his grace, Jesus lived a perfect life, died in our place, and rose again. Y'all need to see, and hopefully you can follow me if you're online or you're here in the room, that this is good news. This is not good advice right? This is good news. This good news you'll see is going to change our lives if we get it, but this is good news. In his love and by his grace, Jesus lived a perfect life. He died in our place, and he rose again. Hey, one of the things that's kind of fun for me, uh, I, I've got the greatest job in the world, really do. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that's, that's fun for me is talking with people that believe different things, and then also, when I study to teach, I don't just read conservative Christian commentaries. Like, I enjoy reading and listening to, how, do, how does anybody believe different than this, right? Where, where are they getting this stuff? Uh, so as I was looking at the early Gospels, fascinating for me, the opponents to Christians that would write early, around the time of the Gospels, the opponents to Christianity did not try to disprove Jesus' miracles. Why? 
all the eyewitnesses were still alive. Yeah, hey, I was there, me and 5,000 other people, and he fed us. No, he didn't do that. Talk to my neighbor, he was there. Like, they didn't try to disprove his miracles. In fact, the vast majority of them didn't try to disprove that he died and rose again because there were so many witnesses. Instead, the, the majority of the opponents to Christianity at the time of Christ in the next hundred years-ish after, they tried to prove that Jesus, when he was in Egypt, if you know the story, when they fled Herod trying to kill the babies in Bethlehem, he learned some kind of black magic witchcraft that enabled him to do that. And they then argue that his motive was to be a zealot and overthrow the Roman government. The eyewitnesses that were there and knew what Jesus taught show us very, 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 very different story. Uh, one, I do believe there's such thing as demonic power not the power of Jesus. In his love and by his grace, Jesus lived a perfect life. He died in our place and he rose again. Why? Why? To take away the sin of the world. This is the gospel. So how do you respond? What, 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 is, it that, what, what is it that we do? Mark's not done. Jesus' words, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. What does he say? Repent and believe in the gospel. When Jesus preached the gospel, he preached repent and believe. So I think it's important for us to understand what those words are. Repentance is a change of heart, or some as they study what was really going on there, the heart was the mind, it's like this change of mind, it's an understanding that I have been going the wrong direction and I'm gonna turn from my way to God's way because I believe now that there is a real kingdom and a real king and his name is Jesus. He was the Christ, the Son of God, and His love and by His grace, right? He, he lived a perfect life. He died in my place, and He rose again. So I, I'm going to turn from my sin and my way by turning to Jesus. Repentance was part of Jesus' gospel. Now, does that mean that you're going to be perfect? No, but it means there's a life change. Watch, keep going with me. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea. Remember who his source was, Peter, Simon Peter, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, what? Follow me. Another, another direct call that Jesus often had to his disciples, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Now, 
what did the disciples do? I mean, they left their nets and followed him. And they became perfect people from then on. Is that what the Bible tells us? No. Peter denied Jesus three times in his greatest need. This does not mean that if you sin again, you didn't repent. But, but if you believe in Jesus, that he is the son of God and what he did for you, there's a turning that happens in your life from your sin to him. If you're reading through Mark with us, we read in chapter 2 today the story of the, the four friends bringing their lame friend to, to Jesus, and they like tore a hole in the roof, right? And he lowered the friend down, and Jesus, it says, he saw their faith, and he said, your sins are forgiven. But their faith was leading them towards Jesus, not away from Jesus. The Bible also tells us at one point that even the demons believe. What's the difference? They're running from him, not to him. Follow me, he says, and I will, notice the, the active, even in this, this is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's not something we can do apart from him by grace through faith in Christ. He says, follow me and I will make, Jesus is working, I will make you become fishers of men. That God loves us so much that he's going to invite us into his eternal kingdom, but starting now, and he's going to, with this incredible just gift of repentance and faith, he's going to use you and I to multiply disciples of Jesus. He, he's inviting you and I into making heaven crowded for his glory. That, that we get to be part, this is, this is the invitation, we get to be part of, of life transformation, not just in us, but through us for the glory of God. Follow me, he says, and I will make, I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets, what are your nets? They left their nets and they followed him. As if it's not emphasized enough and going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets, and immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants, and they did what? They followed him. All right. What is the gospel? There is a real kingdom and a real king. He is Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. In his love and by his grace, Jesus lived a perfect life, died in our place, and rose again. Jesus' words, repent, believe, and follow Jesus and be part of his kingdom now and forever. That, has this happened in your life? If, if today you're hearing this good news that God has done something for you, you have the opportunity by faith, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to repent and follow him. Say, Lord, I believe, I believe that this is what you have done for me, that this is who you are, this is what you've done, and I am ready to make you my king, my Lord. You know, I, I don't know what this looks like in your life, but I, I hope and I pray that we would stand on the teaching of Jesus. That, 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 that the gospel, the good news that Jesus taught and lived and died for and overcame the grave for you and I for would be the gospel that you and I believe, respond to, and share. There's a book that I've read recently with some of the leaders in our church. 
called the discipleship gospel. <laughs> and there's, well, that sounds like scary. What, what does that mean? Uh, are we coming up with a new gospel? <laughs> uh, the gospel we preach, he says, determines the disciples we make. And, and if, if, if the gospel is just prosperity, uh, then we're going to seek, I think, a lower level of what prosperity means, right? If the gospel is just social justice, and I believe God wants to do more radical things than we could ever imagine to help those in need in our community. But it won't happen apart from us believing in who he is and what he has done for you and I and living in response to it. If the gospel is just go through a religious ritual, which yes, the rituals were commanded to do, uh, but baptism is one of those things in the Bible that says this is an optional. You can do it or you want to, or if you don't want to. It's, I think, the first step in following Jesus. But, but we're not saved through a ritual. That's not what Jesus taught. We're saved when we Inside, there's a life change. We repent by grace through faith, believing in what he did, and follow him. I don't know what that is for you. I mean, it's, it's like, ah, what did you grow up with? Uh, maybe it was just a, hey, ask Jesus into your heart. Asking Jesus in your heart is not a bad thing. The Bible actually never says that. There's a place in the Bible that's not referring specific to salvation. It says, I stand at the door and knock. Maybe, maybe you heard just say a prayer and you're saved. Uh, as if maybe if you get all the words right when you're talking, it's going to, no. I think it's great to talk to God in prayer when you're placing your faith in him. This week was an exciting week as we watched a whole lot of people pray publicly. Wasn't that cool? It was tragic what happened. Tragic. There's a player injured Monday night football. The player has faith, which is cool and I think has affected this. But then you watched kind of all of the world to an extent that was watching, I hope not all the world watches football, it's not God, but many people that were watching football stop and like over and over and over you heard pray, 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 pray. It, it's, it's, we're living right now in, a, in not a culture that hasn't heard about Jesus. Uh, most would argue that we're increasingly becoming a post-Christian culture. It's a culture that actually wants Christianity but not Christ. And when there's trauma, when there's trauma, most of the people in our culture are going to run to prayer. But we need to love the world enough to share the good news. I want you to close your eyes with me real quick. God, I ask in the name of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, that you protect us from teaching anything that's not the gospel the full gospel, not just pieces, God. Give us the fullness of the gospel. And then right now, I want to invite, if there's anyone here in the room 
that you're hearing the gospel today and you want to respond, you actually, there's not a special prayer that saves you. It's, it's not, uh, but right now you, you, you can, in your heart, say, God, I, I believe. I repent of my sin. I'm ready to follow you the rest of my life. Thank you for sending Jesus, the King, Christ, the Son of God, to live that perfect life, die in my place, and rise again. If that's happening for you, I invite you, you can text us the word TALK to 96123 online or here in the room, you can do this. We have a team that would love to follow up with you. But if you're on campus, we'd rather have that conversation face-to-face, out the door to your left. We have a team. We'd love to talk with you, pray with you, but nothing more exciting than talking about the gospel, what Jesus has done.